Welcome to Naming It, where we discuss pop culture, current events, and how they relate to the way that we live our lives, all through the lens of two black psychologists. Naming It is dedicated to acknowledging the elephant in the room, validating the lived experience of people of color. Coming to you from the Bay Area, California, we thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Bedford Palmer. And I'm Dr. Lamisha Hill. Music on Naming It is provided by Lee England Jr., the sole violinist. Every morning, evening, afternoon, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Yeah. Welcome to Naming It. Episode what up? 30. Episode 30. I think we're back on track. I think we're back on track. Don't, well, you don't have to tell them. Let them get that in the trivia, <laughs> yo. We, we can't fix it, so it is what it is. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Black Lives Matter, y'all. Y'all thought we forgot, but we didn't. Maybe you didn't think we forgot if you've been listening. Um, what's going on there? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that it's, that's going on in the world, which we will get to in various segments of the show. Yeah. Um, but we definitely need to start out with that spirit and give uh, an honor to the continued issues that are happening in the black community. Yeah, well, I mean, there's always something going on. Uh, unfortunately, that's why they call it a struggle, right? Where uh, It's not called a cakewalk. It's not called an easygoing. It's, it's, it's not called a stroll. It's called a, a struggle. Uh, someone is trying to hold someone else down, and you got to fight, you know. And uh, this week we've been uh, we've been taking some hits, you know. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll 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 be able to to talk about some of this, make it clear for some folks, uh, name some things, call some some stuff in and some things out, and offer a little bit of of understanding, if not be able to you know directly change something right now yeah and it's our hope that that this episode and the conversation contributes to um y'all in your engagement with the struggle uh so for further motivation and, and encouragement and uplifting yeah so that's us uh what, what, what was that did we just we just did a mission statement for the episode or something perhaps because they they already know all that i don't know why we had to go through all this well you we started with a certain tone and yeah, just want to preface. So, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, y'all. No. We're not cutting it, but, uh, you there ain't know. no apologies. Apologizing is okay. It's okay to apologize. I am sorry. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> moving we, on. Moving on to our shout-ins. Yeah, yeah. Shout-ins, yo. Shout-ins. Shout-ins. Shout, you know what? It sounds like Shaolin. I like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh. So do I my my shout in. I just want to do a quick uh shout in to uh brother Sean King came out to St. Mary's College in Moraga, California on Monday. Uh he was down here in the Bay Area. He took a lot of time to uh he hung out with faculty and staff. Spent he had dinner with a, a group of our student activists who uh and, and gave them some pretty good advice mm. for how to to deal with um organizational shifts and changes and trying mm-hmm. to kind of push forward a movement even when they're only here for a temporary time. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, did a real interesting talk on um, just where we are as humans, you know, and how the way that we look at humanity is a little bit different than what reality states. So, like, he pointed out that reality um, or the way that historians look at humanity is that humans are human beings are always growing and getting better mm-hmm. when in fact we don't we go up and down we move all over the spectrum in terms of the way that we treat each other and, and, and whatnot um our technology just gets better right and so he, he did a whole piece on that and talked about how maybe that this whole trump thing is just a reflection of the times and where we are as people and we got to get better as people before we can expect better outcomes mm. so Challenging, but dope. You know? Get better. Yes, sir. Yes, All ma'am. Right. All right. So I want to shout in about attending the Othering and Belonging Conference uh, hosted by the Haas Institute for a Fair and Inclusive Society that was down uh, in Oakland uh, this past week. And a particular panel, there was a lot of a lot of great speakers, a lot of great folks who came out, but want to give a special shout in to the panel of Fierce Women 
who closed out um, my experience there. Alicia Garza spoke, uh, Tara Hoska, who is a Native Indigenous activist and lawyer, uh, Zahar Billo, who is a Muslim-identified activist lawyer, and it was uh, facilitated by Jadan Kuhn, who is a Bay Area diversity consultant, educator, artist, etc. So uh, lots of awesome women who were really speaking, I think, from their own lived experiences based on the identities that they held, but also having the conversation on intersectionality and how do we advocate uh, for, for others that as we all walk in, very unique and intersectional struggles. So it was pretty cool. That's what's up. Uh, we have time for, for another shout in real quick. Go for it. All right. I wanted to do a quick shout in to our friend and uh, contributor and our, uh, our, I don't know, our BLM like meditation guru motivator, um, Dr. Candace Nicole. She was just featured in Black Voices of the Huffington Post, excuse me, the Huff Post, because it's new, it's new. They call it the Huff Post now. Uh-huh. Uh, so an article came out called This BLM Meditation Can Help People Cope with Tiring Cycle of Oppression by Zahara Hill. Um, and it's it's a cool article. Um you know, we we had uh, we had Dr. Nicole on a while ago. I'm glad that everybody's starting to to see how dope she is and how how cool her uh, her uh, her work is, and that they're sharing it out there, and that um, folks can benefit on a wider scale uh, from some of the things that she's doing. So we just wanted to do a quick shout in and say good job. I love seeing when uh, black psychologists are um, being able to be noted for the work that they're doing both, mm-hmm. you know, within our community and outside. And, you know, that that's a big deal. So good job there. Yeah. 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 All right. Ooh, ooh. Snap, snaps. Snap, snaps. There you go. Where are we at now? So I think we're in the what's going on segment. So what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to play the jams. Okay, I guess I'm going to play the jams then. So go ahead. Y'all do that. What's going on? <laughs> hey. No, we no. What's going on? <laughs> you just click that and use that for the rest of the time. <laughs> so there's a lot going on. Yeah, there is a lot going on. And just by the way, in case people didn't notice, again, Dr. Candace Nicole, thank you for the what's going on segment. <laughs> what's up, what's up, what's up? Okay, anyway, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot, a lot going on. So where do we want to start? I think that one of the things that um, came up for me this week is that there were a number of events that happened across the country related to the lived experience of, of black people, either current or past um, issues around police violence and violence in general. And a lot of that wasn't covered by the media. Um, oh. A lot of things were overlooked, watered down, dumbed down. Uh, in this sea of ACA nonsense. Well, it, it seems like... And, and I, Comey hearings. Yeah, you know, I I hear that as the narrative that we're being, we're being kind of fed, that there are these other important things in the world happening. Um, but I, I really can't feel it, because I know if, if we're talking about, if we get to start off, um, a guy... Shoot people mm-hmm. in San Diego. Mm-hmm. One of them dies, a young woman. Um, the man is a white man who goes down to a pool party and basically drinks a beer, brandish, brand, brandishes his gun, and then shoots a bunch of people who happen to almost all be brown. Right? If that guy had been at all brown, if he mm-hmm. had been from a Muslim, any shade of brown, if you, if they, if you particularly could, Muslim, if he would have been my color, if he would, if he would have been me mm-hmm. with a beard, my color, they would assume that he was like coming from some Muslim state or something like that, and they would have made it into a story about Islamic mm-hmm. terrorism. Or they would have said, "We don't know if it's terrorism." No, they would have went and just said it. You know, they would have. Right, but the reluctance to acknowledge a hate crime, a hate crime. Well, they're not acknowledging. They're barely calling it a hate. I mean, they're, they're saying it's a rampage. That's what I keep seeing on the news. It's mm. a it's a shooting rampage, mm. right? As opposed to a terrorist act. Mm-hmm. You know, like a this is. I'm sorry. We're in the United States. If a white man goes and shoots a bunch of black and brown people for no reason, the reason is racism. Mm-hmm. There's this was in La Jolla, by the way. And if you don't know La Jolla. La Jolla in San Diego, there's a lot of people there. It's pretty diverse, but it's primarily white folks. So if we're just going to talk about statistics and stuff, if this dude wanted to just go shoot some people up, it would have been a lot easier for him to find other people. 
because there ain't that many black folks in La Jolla. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, it's the idea that this isn't like completely plastering our news cycles right now. Uh-huh. Um, it it it's not just racist. It's 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 insulting. You know, I mean, it's like deeply insulting um, that this idea that they can kind of wrap their ideas around reality and just tell us that it doesn't exist. You exactly. Know? So, and we're not gonna take it. <laughs> uh, At least not naming it. Okay, I, I don't know. I mean, what are we're able to kind of speak about it here, but. But I think that that's a that's an important part of it is is that in this space and for our listeners and that it creates perhaps a wave. And I'm certain that a lot of the some of the coverage via the news was a little bit of this discrepancy. But even those articles were still not referring to this incident as a hate crime. No. Well, San Diego Police Department is saying that they don't have enough information to call it a hate crime. So the new so or those that are reporting on it cannot put that in the title or the headline. Well, no, they could. They could. They make conjecture and speculation all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they The only time that it seems like the, the large national news outlets are really, really careful is when it's about, like, covering up for someone who's hurting brown people. You know, because they'll, they'll, if, 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 if a brown person or a black person goes out and does some sort of crime, they will plaster their face up so quick. You know, they'll tell you, they're dang near, they'll have a person outside their house so you can see where their address is, Mm. like, before they know what happened. But if it's an authority figure, if it's a white person, if it's someone who they deem to be protection worthy. Worthy of their their amendment rights. Right. You know, a Mm -hmm. full citizen. Mm -hmm. Right. Worthy of innocent and to proven guilty. Right. Like we talked about, like these whole mm-hmm. assumptions, right? Mm-hmm. The assumption of innocence. Uh, this guy, they're treating him like he's innocent still. Mm-hmm. He, pat, you know, they shot him on sight and whatever. He was reloading, about to unload on other people, and they, the media, still acts as if you know, oh, we can't, we we don't know what we can say about this guy. Best believe the situation was in reverse. I mean, think about what happened with the guy. Was it in Dallas? Um, who the African American guy who shot police officers in Dallas? Mm-hmm. Right I downtown. Mean, uh-huh. Yeah, last July. Right. So before they were able to find the real guy, they had already like ID the wrong person and put that in the news and got him basically endangered this this other black man's life. Right. Uh-huh. So they threw that all over the place before anything was done. And then when they covered it, they like they they glossed over the fact that the police there did pretty heinous stuff to catch him. I mean, in the United States, when was the last time a white person in a standoff was blown up by police, basically, mm-hmm. using a, a robot drone? Right. Like, when pull did... Out, the, pull out all the... Well, when, when, when is that allowed? When, when did we start living in an environment when people and police can send a bomb into your house via a robot and blow you up as an option? I've seen plenty of police standoffs. You know, they're on the news. They show them all the time. And this is the first bomb. The uh, The last bomb I heard about was when it got uh, a, a block got blown up in the 60s. Another place where black folks were. White folks don't get blown up by the police. But I'm just saying. So can we can we shift gears? Uh, shift up. <laughs> we're going into the faster lane. It's just get worse. As we it talk. does. It, 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 there's a there's a number of things that happen. And second, secondly, well, I just shouldn't even put it that way. You know, it, however, we decided to share these things with y'all in no no particular order of importance or whatnot. I uh, just want to preface that. But m- most troubling for me is the continued murder of black children by the police and in Texas Jordan Edwards lost his life uh, to a police officer who felt the need to shoot a rifle right so that's not even their their standard issue weapon right he, to go and get a rifle I think it, it might be a standard. They might have it. They as usually a rifle have it in, weapon the, in the car. In the car, but like but it's it, not like you know, if he was out of the car anyway. But can I? I'm already just, jumping, jumping. Yeah, yeah. Down, I want you, I want you to finish what further. you're saying, but I do want to do one thing. You said he lost his life. His life was taken. 
Mm-hmm. His life was taken. His life was intact, and he would have been fine if that police officer did not decide he was going to shoot through the back window of a car that was leaving full of teenagers after a loud party. Right. And then lie about it. But go ahead. Well, exactly. I'm sorry. I took I took the rest of the story. No, it's okay. That's good. It's a, it's a lot. It's like in any other circumstance, how many house parties have we ever seen, heard about, been in ourselves where, oh, it's time to leave. Oh, whoop, whoop, you know, police show up or, you know, gets a little bit loud. Someone's going to call the cops. It's not like everybody's running for the hills. It's just time to vacate the premises. Well, I mean, even if you are running, I mean, because sometimes that happens. I When I used to, when I was in grad school, um... I lived in a, in a town called Carbondale in Illinois. It's down in southern Illinois. If there's mm-hmm. anybody, one person listening, hey, hey, hi. Um, it it's a small town. It's a it, it's a college there that's in the town, SIU Carbondale, and there's a lot of undergrads. Mm-hmm. And many undergraduate students are under the drinking age, the legal drinking age. Mm-hmm. And so, what you would see sometimes, I'm a, I was a grad student, so I could drink all I wanted. I could be at parties or whatever. Um, but we'd be at like someone's house. Usually, it'd be a, away from whatever the undergrad party was, and you would see all these young people running out of the basements. Like, I mean, it was like crazy. Like you'd see like people scurrying away like ants or something from like when you spray raid because the police would literally come in and break the party up and all these people would run and you know these were mostly like white kids who would just run away from the police and if you got away then you didn't get a ticket you mm-hmm. know um and they would like come but to they're a, gonna give you a ticket well but the thing is they come to the next party and they do it again this would happen three or four times a night and no one got shot no you know and never so imagine just saying like imagine you know, no i'm just saying like just because you're running from the police don't mean that you deserve it. In fact, it's not just that you don't deserve to get shot. It's against the law for them to shoot you. Right. As, nope. as we see in another case that we'll reference. But I think I just want to stay here for a second just to acknowledge that it just reminds me of this ongoing, like, underlying tone that some for some reason, and I, don't, and I, and I imagine that this bias cuts cuts into many people's consciousness regardless of identity of like well what were they doing or well, what did they do or were they running or were they speeding or what they, it don't matter right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that he was uh, a high standing student on the football team had a strong gpa it does not matter no yeah, but why we have to justify thing. you know then we you go out and you pull all the character stuff up and it's like well who is there's no perfect martyr there's no perfect victim here and i i just get so irritated by this sort of this internal like check mark of justification right okay well okay whether they speeding okay if they said yes oh no okay so that's more justification for the fact that this was a crime right it, like you said well, there's no justification there is no justification it's a crime you don't shoot at cars driving away from a party right I mean, you just don't do it. A car full of kids. I mean, if we just said it without him being a black kid, if it was just like any old suburban America, which really it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Just, it just, is any old suburban America. Right. And he just shot. He shot through the back window. He shot this kid in the back of the head. Like, because it was a head. He hit him in the head. That's what it says in the report. So mm-hmm. he shot this kid through the back of the head as he was just He was just driving away. You know, he's in a car full of his family. Mm-hmm. You know, they're. I mean, the fact that someone would do something like that. Here's how you know he knows he was wrong. Here's how he knows he knows that he shouldn't have done that. Here's how you know that he know he murdered that kid. He lied about it. He lied about it. He told he told people that the car was coming at him. He did the thing that that that. And here's the, the most the most um, disgusting part about these crimes, these police violence crimes. This idea that if they say they thought they were in danger, suddenly they're fine. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it's a good shoot, it's a good shoot, it's a good kill, it's all this good stuff that they, they, they use mm-hmm. that terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all they have to do is say, I thought I was in danger, and then they can shoot someone. You and I can't do that. We can't. Just because we're in danger doesn't mean we can shoot or hurt someone. We have to retreat generally. I understand police have different circumstances, but the fact that they use that 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 excuse over and over to murder people, and this is what happened here. I don't care what anyone wants to say, and you can get mad at me for whatever you wanted to, but when someone gets shot in the back of the head as they're fleeing from you, that's called murder. When someone who's not been violent 
when no it has no connection to any violence towards you, when you have to aim, you have time to breathe. You know what it takes to shoot a, a moving target mm-hmm. from distance that's and moving away. Thank from you. you. Like the fact that you would get your rifle. There was a lot. Why of would thought. you have your rifle? There was a at lot a house of thought. party. Well, because they pull out. If you if you see a bunch of black folks in the space, guns come out, right? Like guns just kind of appear in their hands, and so this dude goes goes to the car. Either goes to the trunk, goes into the middle, and pulls out the long gun. He goes in. He takes aim. This takes time. It takes energy. It takes concentration. He breathes. He fires. I don't know how many times he fires, but the car had to have gotten some distance. And then he hits his mark, right? I don't know if he thought, oh, I'm just going to scare him or whatever. I don't want to give him that. He was trying to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. He thought, he, maybe he thought because Trump won, he can just do that now. You know? And, hey, you know what? Because Trump won, maybe he can just do that now. Right. That's the ugly, that's the scary part, right? Because I don't know. When you look at all these convictions, oh, wait, none of these convictions of Thank people you. who have complete, a police officer who have killed people, there's been one out of out of since Alton Sterling and all the stuff that was happening since you go back to Tamir Rice and you go back all the way to, uh, to, to Mike Brown, right. You go all the way back, you know, all these different people, um, Sandra Bland, right. Like no one's held accountable. No one's held accountable. Just this, just this one person who had to like, uh, he plead in in North Mm -hmm. Carolina, right. It was a plea deal. Yes. A plea deal. Um, so there is no when we talk about this, right? And I, I want to call this back for a second, just 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 for a second. Um, if you know the the development of our podcast, you know we started off the podcast kind of just like, oh, we're going to talk about psychology and social mm-hmm. justice, and we didn't have a deep, deep kind of fully fully uh, uh, built out call yet, right? And then those tragedies, those shootings happened. And they kept happening. And they kept happening. And it pulled us in a specific direction. So you're coming back and we're coming close to being a year in. And no justice has occurred. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, maybe there's one. But if you want to talk about percentages, it's zero. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm around down. Right? Because I can round down. What does that mean? You know, like how do how do I strongly believe that that it emboldens and it embraces other individuals to make decisions and play out as one of the the panelists said at uh, when referring to um, what was happening at Standing Rock that, you know, in that space, police were literally playing out, you know, cowboys and Indians fantasies of running around shooting young Indian First Nation children off of a horse, riding their horses through the fields, shooting at these children. Sick. It is sick. And it's and it's the same behavior of like, oh, well, now I get to play out this fantasy of being a cop in a movie. And what they do, what do they do in the movies? They pull out the rifle and they shoot the quote, quote, bad guy or the target. And the window blows up and the car blows up and everybody goes home and then they're the hero. Right. Go somewhere. Right. Like, I mean, this is not a movie. No, but to them, I mean, it's not a game. When you get to when you get to kill when you get to kill objects and then go home and and and, and not have a problem, mm-hmm. you know, like when you know with zero accountability, when you know that there's been police shootings of unarmed people all year for the last two years, whatever, forever, right? But like I'm just saying, since we've been starting to document this stuff for real, like the last year, there's been all these like shootings of unarmed people and no accountability, zero. Zero accountability. Right. So you have the shooting of people and then you have the killing and the murder of people in police custody. It goes, the you know, it's, it's this is expansive. And, you know, it, it level of injustice. Yeah, and it and, makes and, no sense. Those with mental health issues dying in custody. Those who are put into custody dying. Right. Black black kid died of an asthma attack. Right. Right. It, it, it goes on and on and on. Right. And. Recent accounts report um, by one uh, tracking website, killedbythepolice.net, reports that 400 people to, to date have been killed in 2017 alone. 400 people. 400 people to date. In the United States. Since January of 2017. It's May. It's May. We just started May. You want to know? And the, we're at 400. You want to know the, you want to know the scariest part about all this? If you talk about developed countries... 
like developed countries, Western countries, European countries, developed countries, there are far more of these countries outside. Like maybe I think Canada probably has some shootings and stuff like that. But you go to Europe, they have none. You know, we have 400. They have zero. And I'm talking about zero. And over their, the and of their police years. walk around heavily armed. Yeah. Some, in some, some of these nations. And some yeah. of these nations. Yeah. But they have a different doctrine. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a doctrine where you're the warrior and there's a doctrine where you're a guardian. A guardian is someone who's going to protect people. A warrior is someone. What do warriors do? They shoot and kill people. They, they fight people. You, you know what? Like, I don't mean to, like, downplay anything, but I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons lately, and there's actually classes of different folks and how you fight and stuff. The warrior class, everyone knows what a warrior does. A warrior goes and beats the hell out of things. They're not great for healing. They're not great for saving. <laughs> they're not great for doing anything except for going out and bashing stuff. Why would our police, like, take on that identity? They're only dealing with American citizens. They're only dealing with people who are here, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe like, okay, not just American citizens, but like people who should be equated the same rights as any American citizen. Right. Mm -hmm. That's everybody who's on this, who's who's on the earth, who's in the United States should be treated the exact same way. You can believe what you want to believe. But if you're undocumented, you still need to be treated Mm -hmm. with the same rights and, and respect that everyone else does. So these are people they're supposed to serve. We know they're supposed to serve us and they don't. They only serve some folks, mm-hmm. right? They only serve certain people. When they feel like it. No, even when they don't. Because you don't get... Well, go ahead. I just... It, it The the level of a lack of accountability, the lack of consistency, and we've talked about this in past episodes, my attitude of like, I should not... The, the, the responsibility and the call and the charge of that role... Now, I know that I'm not even going to qualify it should require a certain level of consistency. Right. Right. So I shouldn't get Officer A and get Officer B and get this vast level of different of of either treatment or service. Right. Right. Really service. Service, protection, assistance, whatever the case may be. Right. Service is real talk. You never hear that. Right. Don't say it to them. You know, oh, you're here supposed to protect and serve me. No, we're not. They'll tell you straight up, like, no, we're not. We're here to keep the peace. We're here to, to keep law and order, right? Which is just a way to say that we're I shouldn't. Oppress. I shouldn't approach Officer A and and receive service and approach Officer B and have him have him look at me. This is a dead, dead serious story, Black, in Oakland. Approach Officer A, question about traffic, whatever, whatever. Perfectly fine answer. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye. Deuces, whatnot. Approach Officer B, and I get, excuse me, what did you call me? You want me to refer to you as, you know, bow down and kiss your feet? I don't understand. So I talked to one officer. Uh, this is just my general experience. Not in the same day, but I've spoken to police officers, had ter- totally perfectly fine interactions, right? I, I approached this one officer in one interaction. They, there was this big roadblock. And my question was, okay, so how do I get... I just needed directions because I couldn't tell how far down the roads that they were blocked off. I don't know if it was an incident, a marathon, what what was happening. But a lot of the roads was blocked off. He was standing outside and his response to me was, excuse me, what did you refer to me as? What did you refer to him as? I don't know if I referred to him as anything. I think I rolled down the window and asked him a question politely. So what you, he was trying to get you to call him officer? He was trying like to that? get to me, me to refer to him in a more higher level elitist way. Or Sir, wanted, officer, you know. He wants you to acknowledge his power and his station, right? I'm just trying to figure out how do I get on the freeway? Did you tell him? You should. I mean, like, you know. But then you have all these dynamics, right? I'm a woman. I'm in a car. He's tall. He's big. He's got power. What am I? You know what I mean? Like, then you, well, you get forgot all, one big one. I mean, because if you're a woman and you're in a car, it's, it's a, if you were a different kind of woman, it would be less of an issue. <sighs> But, right? Am I oh, wrong? but yeah, you're, I don't think you're wrong. But I think what I'm just trying to get at is, I would where it, will there when will there be accountability to the fact that Officer A, if you're in Oakland, California, Officer B, if you're in Dallas, Texas, there should be a certain level of continuity on the treatment of people, right? Because we see this all the time, right? If you take the same scenario with children, young people at a party, you don't go to a party in a college town and go brandishing weapons and rifles. Unless do you're they, white. Do they show? 
I'm just no. I'm just saying, like, no, I I can't do I can't do that. I I, I just can't. There, if I'm, you're if you're the the difference in treatment, it, it goes along class lines and race lines. It goes along. It goes along like how they can see you, and I mean, like, it goes along gender lines too. Absolutely, it goes on disability lines. Anyone, if you have privilege, then you get away with stuff, right? If you officers don't, if when I'm call a police officer because sometimes I do call the police. I'm not going to pretend like police aren't supposed to. I mean, I'm paying taxes. They need to it's come service. and respond, right? So I had a, a situation where the police, um, there was a, my alarm on my house went off, right? And I wasn't in there, so I don't know who's in there. I had to call the police. They came in and they did their thing. I had a lot of privilege there once they knew I was a homeowner, right? It's my house. I'm a homeowner. This is my space. Then there's privilege there. If I would have been, like, just sitting there in that space, there could have been all kinds of other assumptions made. But I made it real clear. Now, I'm not stupid, right? So I described myself when I left the message for them. When I told called 911, I was like, I'm outside. I got my dog. My dog has a pink harness. I'm a black dude. I'm right here, you know, because I don't want them to come and pop up in 12 seconds and shoot me, which happens, right? Mm-hmm. That is not the same kind of care right. that my white neighbor would have had to put into it. And that's just true. Right. Um, so I, I do get that certain police officers have different standards, but they all have um, – there's an allowance that is made um, for mistreating people who are who don't have power that's and, not given for people who do. Uh, absolutely. I think we have collectively gone on a rant. And I hope that our, our listeners can really hear some of the differentiations that we're making, whether it be around power, uh, around privilege, um, some of the other pieces around this perception of who who is the person on the receiving end of that treatment, right? What are they, you know, the assumption, there's no presumed innocence, right? So it's the presumption, I said, like I said earlier, that many people hold it, well, what did they do? What were they doing? What was the context? What were the circumstances? Right. It shouldn't even go through our head. And as, you know, many folks have said, you know, black people cannot behave their way out of getting killed by the police. Absolutely not. I mean, like the, the presumption, it goes past just guilt, but it's danger. Like, that's the thing that makes it so scary for us is that they're afraid of us, regardless of what they see, you know, like this idea that there's this shadow of a monster that that overlays, Mm -hmm. you know, our existence. Um, It's it's a horrible thing to have to realize, Mm -hmm. you know, there's whole books, there's whole poems written on black racial identity around this stuff, you know, and like the fact, uh, I, I like to talk about Fanon, and he, ta- he has a, a book called uh, Black Face, White Mask, you know, and he talks about this idea of your identity being subsumed by their imagery of you, you know, so how do you, how do you live in a space, you know, how do we go on in a space where um, our existence is seen as just not not okay you know mm-hmm. that 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 we're this dangerous scary thing we were talking about earlier we were playing around on the mic uh before we started the the episode and we were talking we were like kind of uh riffing to to gospel music and stuff and dr hill said a pretty insightful thing we were talking about this song and she said you know why is it that black folks make happy songs about dying and then i said we make sad songs about living Mm-hmm. What the heck is that about, right? Mm-hmm. I think we know. So where you gotta put the hope? I don't know. We gotta we we gotta come up with it, right? We gotta figure out how to make something from nothing. Doctor White says. Yes, that is really the legacy of the lived experience of of Black culture uh, throughout many many generations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So do we want to talk about any of these other incidents and, or do we want to move into the real talk? Well, I think, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into real talk and we'll bring in what we need to bring in. Okay. All right. So in today's segment of Real Talk, we want to explore the intersections of police violence and public health. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum. 
where more happens. So, real talk. Real talk. Here we go. All right. So these intersections, right? Yeah. So let's continue the conversation. Yeah. We, uh, we've we been exploring some of these concepts and, you know, here at Naming It, we try to be really mindful of the language that we use and the foundations of that terminology. So sometimes uh, the context of police violence gets spoken about in the matter of a public health crisis or an epidemic. Um, right. And so we wanted to put that out there and kind of play with that a little bit, but really kind of think about what feels most accurate for us. Yeah. I mean, like, when we talk about public health, that's, I mean, that's our wheelhouse. You know, we talk, we both, you know, that's that's part of our field. Um, but I don't know if everything that that's bad that happens over, like, large swaths of population is about public health directly all the time. You know, um, and, I, and I don't know how I feel about seeing what's happening in terms of, like, police and and the violence around that is some sort of non-thinking entity. I don't know. It feels that way when I hear public health. I think for me, what I appreciate about the bringing in public health, uh, you know, and someone that works sort of in this, in the, in a healthcare setting um, is that oftentimes the, the, the lived experience of those that are oppressed, whether they're black and brown, marginalized and other aspects of their identities um, gets talked about from this diversity or social justice perspective. And it's kind of like this thing that's over here. And I think that public health, and I'm sure there's other, other lenses Mm -hmm. that can really perhaps pull in some other folks who are contributors to those disciplines, but don't think of themselves as being social justice agents. Right. Right. So I, I, I guess like what, what comes to mind? Cause I told you, we, we talked about a little bit about Sean King coming in mm-hmm. um, to the campus. And one of the things he said that like stuck with me um, was he was pointing out, he, he gave a number, I think it was somewhere like one Oh six was a number of um, unarmed people who have been killed by police, right? No weapon, no nothing in their hand who've been killed by the police um, over the course of the last few months. Uh, The way he pointed it out, he kind of like talked to people about it a little bit, but then he was just like, look, what this is, this is lynching, right? This This is what lynching is. People are not actually doing anything that would at all like lead someone to believe that they're dangerous and then without trial, without due process, a mob, either in the form of multiple police, one police, or even like some of these folks who just shoot based on stand your ground crap, um, they kill them, you know? And maybe it's not using a rope, but I mean, kill is kill. And Lynch wasn't always about a rope. Mm-hmm. Lynch was like people getting hung, people getting burned, people getting shot, people getting beat. Mm-hmm. There's all these ways that people were lynched, and it still happens, and it's been happening, and the rate is increasing. Um, instead of a mob, now it's it's police. Um, it was always kind of police involved. Right. That's what happened on Wall Street, on, on Black Wall Street. So one of the foundations that we had talked about, like in terms of like, how does this all happen? How does what is what is the context? What's the environment? What is you, you can think about it from many different lenses, but really kind of like what's if this is something that's like growing and it's kind of, you know, something that's unfortunate, um, whether it's a, in the concept of like a disease or the concept of like a, like a weed. What are some of the foundations or the roots of the soil that really give life to how these things can occur in, in our in our society. Well, I think, you know, there's ways that you can look at it. And if we're going to go back to this idea of an epidemic or something like that, um, I would say that I want to separate the public health aspect from the lynching aspect, right? Um, and so the public, the public health problem, um, I would say that's not the people getting beaten and killed by the police. Those people aren't, they're not, being subjected to a public health problem. They're being subjected to lynching, right? Mm-hmm. They're being subjected to police violence, to un, un to unjustified police killing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The people who have a public health concern are the folks who are traumatized by the witnessing of those experiences, mm-hmm. right? Because you didn't have to get beat or get killed or, or any of that stuff to see what's happening. Right. Right. So it could be your family member or it could be a community member or you could just be watching it on TV. 
right? Right. Can, and I would add, and this this is for me, so you can agree or disagree, but I think that in addition to the oppression-based distress of those that are witnessing or either experience some vicarious connection to those those killings and that violence based on the identities that they might hold or the communities that they live in, the proximity to those incidents. Um, I would also say that for the greater extended um, public, that there is a... I would say an impact around bias and apathy, right? That the more these situations occur and there's no justice, right? That it does something internally to really minimize and continue to dehumanize what occurs in the lived experiences, particularly for those African-American men. So, I mean, it's it's a normalization, right? They're, they're, Uh, right? Normalization, I would also say dehumanization. So the next time it happens, there's a certain degree of apathy. Like, okay, well, here's another person. They may get covered by the news. They may not get covered by news. Oh, was it a grown man? What did he look like? What was he wearing? What was he doing? Oh, was it a young person? What were they wearing? What were they doing? Right? And then there's no justice. There's There's no accountability. So then it's out of the news cycle and it's out of the minds. Of, of many people. And the right. next time it so, occurs, it's, gonna, it's not going to have any impact in the same way because there's a desensitization or that normalization. Yeah. I mean, I think, but I think that that's on purpose, you know, uh, right now. So right now it's Friday, the 5th of May. There's nothing on the news, you know, about, all these things that we we're just talking about, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I saw there's little magazine articles. You can find it if you look hard enough on Twitter, but it's not it's not trending. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the front page. And it should I mean, like, honestly, I mean, I yeah, AC, the AC, was it the American Health Care Act? ACA. Yeah. Or no, American Health Care Act. The, A-H. AHCA. Mm-hmm. Um, the Trump Care nonsense mm-hmm. just got pushed through the house without people reading it mm-hmm. um and we still probably have uh you know russian spies in our in our government and um in the presidency in the white house we still have nepotism and uh cronyism and uh profiteering coming out of the white house and we still have um all these other like really nasty things that are, are happening in national politics but what the media is saying, and let's just keep this super real. When you make a decision about what you're putting in your news cycle, what you're going to report on, what you're going to talk about, what you're going to put to the forward, mm-hmm. you're talking about what matters, right? Right. So when they don't put the fact that black and brown people are still losing their lives and that black people are still being murdered by police and that black people aren't being given justice for right. all these things then what the media is saying what the members of the media are saying mm-hmm. what the people who would tout themselves as social justice advocates are saying in the media when they say that oh we have to cover this other thing is that black lives don't matter mm-hmm. that's what's being said right now so as we've gone through we've been pushing this movement uh, a new civil rights movement for for multiple years now, and people are still fighting, and people are still doing what they need to do in the way that they do it. We're doing it our way, right? One of the ways is through this podcast. Other ways that we do in our private lives and in our public lives, we are getting the message that they don't care, and that can't be ignored. So we got to figure out ways to not be ignored. Am I right? Or am I wrong? I would I I totally agree and I think multiple strategies in multiple ways and we've seen successes in in other issues whether that is uh, divestment you know from different advertisers etc that has impacted uh, the unseating of certain you know individuals in high places like Bill O'Reilly etc that one for black folks it wasn't for black folks, but I'm just saying, can we borrow and can we can we adapt some of the different practices that have shown to be effective in other domains um, and continue to make identify acts of of resistance that are individual, collective, community based, professionally based, et cetera, um, that can really drive change? Well, I mean, I think that 
But uh, I guess what I'm saying is I think that we've been doing that. I don't, I don't think that people have been mounting unsuccessful efforts. What I think is that right now um, there's been this change in the politic that comes from the the win that Bush got, or not Bush, uh, Trump, right? Uh, 45, whatever you want to call. I heard someone call, call him uh, um, Cheeto... He caught, uh, I can't even say it, but they had like they strung together this really cool insult. So just know I'm being insulting. I'm insulting you if you ever listen, Mr. President. You suck. Um, so what I'm getting at is that there seems to be this idea that now things can things can go back to the status quo. That things can go back to white men in power. You know, cisgendered. Uh, Christian, white, able-bodied men, right? Right. So doing their thing, right? Yeah. And we have we've circled around this issue around white supremacy, and it and in certain places it being um, a foundation for the for the experience of overt and systemic racism. And many people have talked about you know since the election of forty five the more emboldened and brazen acts of racism, discrimination, and othering of folks in many communities and the positions that people have taken publicly, which they might have only previously had conversations privately or thought internally to themselves, are now acting and creating policy and, you know, harming people in ways that is just off the charts. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So that that foundation of white supremacy, you know, really kind of coming into form again. Right. Not being an idea or something that has sort of left imprints in our policies and our practices, but is now this really tangible experience. I think it's always been tangible. I mean, it it's just (laughs) it's who's it it always comes down to. I think, you know, I'm saying always it it, it tends to come down to. Who's feeling it, right? Mm-hmm. And how much do those people matter? You know, like black people have been feeling the boot of white oppression since white and black was invented by white folks. Period, right? You could quote that. So when we say like this white supremacy more or less visible or more or less salient, the reason I think it's more salient now is because black people have been like yelling, you know, and that other people have been suffering too. And we've been getting our stuff together and we've been aligning with each other. Mm-hmm. And that for a moment when we had a black president and we had a Black Lives Matter movement moving forward and being brand new. And we we had this 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 newness of video um, being available to the Internet very quickly. Like we had this like strange revolution. Right. Mm-hmm. That's very similar to what was happening with the, the, the Arab Spring and all that stuff where suddenly we can be connected and see what's happening in real time. And we can like prove, you know, what they say in the church, uh, prove the devil's a lie. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that how they say it? Say it right. I don't know if they ever prove it, but uh, yeah, the it's devil's like, a lie. The no. devil is a liar. Right. So like this cat tells us that. He was shooting at this car as it was moving forward towards him, right? Which all forensic evidence would say didn't happen if you took forensics and you were true to it, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, for instance, say Mike Brown, right? All the forensic evidence, like, wasn't able to prove stuff to show that this officer killed this man Mm -hmm. and, like, or this young... Because he charged at him like a boy. Right, right. They would have been the same. It would have been the exact same kind of rhetoric and same push and the same like uh, 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 obfuscation. You know, the police would have circled wagons. The white community would have circled wagons around them and Justice Department circled wagons around them. And eventually we come up with, oh, there's not enough evidence to charge this police officer because we need this deep, deep, deep higher level Mm -hmm. of, of evidence to charge any of them. Right. Except for now he's wearing body cams and he forgot to shut his off. So now we have actual video evidence that says completely different things than what he says. And here's, you know, I'm just going to be real. This is what white supremacy does. It makes everybody who's not white and not connected to power liars. And everyone who is connected to power and is white 
they're automatically telling the truth. And not just that they're automatically telling the truth, mm-hmm. it's that how dare you think that this uh-huh. officer would lie? Mm-hmm. How dare you think that this officer is not a human, is not is not the most highest, mm-hmm. whitest knight that you'd ever find? Because we know that if that becoming part of the police academy and getting a uniform and learning to shoot, right, is the way that you make the most ethical possible person ever. I appreciate that 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 comp- that addition there, right? Like in terms of what are all the qualities of uh, in the practices, right? And and learning how to shoot being just it's just ridiculous, right? What you saw in Tamir Rice, dude couldn't even hold a gun with a steady hand, right. yet he's given a badge, yeah, and not a desk job, yeah. You want to serve? I appreciate your desire to serve, but you're not qualified. That. You're not qualified to serve in this capacity. He got can, fired. We, can we find you a task, right? Rather than 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 p- passing you through. No, get, no, 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 no. You're being nice. You're being so nice. <laughs> no, you know what? Look. No, at McDonald's, if you can't flip burgers, you don't get the job. You know what I'm saying? Like straight up, if you can't dig a ditch and your job title is dig is ditch digger, they don't find you something else to do. You just go find yourself another job. If you ain't, if you don't have the, I moral, agree with you on that. Yeah, maybe it was being nice. I'm saying if you don't have the moral integrity, but there's plenty of people that serve in the in in, in the police force at large, and they're not all walking the streets doing. They they have many different functions, just like in the military. But I'm not worried about it. It's not our space to worry about that. I, I you know what I'm saying? I don't care. I'm not trying to be be a job. Uh, you know what? Actually, real talk. I do career counseling. If you come in, if <laughs> vocational you're, if, if, psychology I is do, one of our is one of our foundations. Right. I do career vocational. I can do I can do all these assessments. I can do all this work. I can talk to you about what better roles you would have and what values you have. We can do all this stuff, right? If you're a person who washed out of the police. Right. You couldn't make it through the force or whatever. And you want to come and pay me for my hour of work. I will help you find a job. Right. I will help you figure that out. I will get you into a space where you just fit completely. Right. I will help you with that. But unless you're paying me to do that, I don't care. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility as a black man in America. What I want to make sure is that if you are not fit to be on the force, you should not be on the force. Just like if I was not fit to be a counselor or a psychologist, I should not be doing that job. If I wasn't, if I didn't have a radio voice that allowed y'all to listen to me and feel good about listening to it, then I shouldn't be on the radio. But you like it because it's been 55 minutes and you're still here. So I'm just saying. I, they might be here for me too. Hey, I'm just, you know, I didn't want to like jump on your. I'm just saying. Obviously, you you like Lamisha's voice too, since she needed that in this moment. Just break my I get many up. compliments about my radio voice. That's not what we're talking about right now. Anyway. We'll come back to that. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, is that you know we care so much. We put so much energy into, and I'm talking about collectively, not Lamisha, not me, but collectively in this country, we put so much energy into caring about these public servants. What about the people that they've killed? How much energy mm-hmm. have you personally, and I'm talking to whoever's listening, put in to thinking about these families mm-hmm. and these victims and these communities that are being gutted by people who are sp- supposed to be serving them? What, how, how much time are we thinking about how much loss is happening to the potential of our society, mm-hmm. to our country? This is, a, this is like a little boy who could have done something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like snatched away by us, by our society, right? And when I say us, I mean us, me and you and everybody who's listening. We're part of the society. And the fact that this goes on is partially our fault. So what are you doing to stop it? You Real talk. Tra- I, I appreciate that. You can drop the mic right there. If, if y'all didn't see Bedford sit back in his chair and put his hands, you know, on his hips, it, it was a good moment. I'm just saying, y'all. It's, it's um, important. We all contribute. You can't look away. You know, I, th- yes, we need to take care of ourselves as we engage with these really difficult content. But we have to stay, stay pushing, stay moving, stay engaged. It's real talk. I think that's real talk. So like, does that does that take us through the intersections of police violence and public health? Did we, did we get to what we were, what we were hoping to get to? Uh, we didn't talk. So the, the the thing that we we didn't. So here's a model um, that we were kind of thinking about as we were bringing it up. So 
the reason that we would kind of pull away from saying that the whole deal is a public health issue is just because, again, there's this piece about the lynching and the piece about the trauma. But there's this concept, there's a disease model that is pretty common in epidemiology and in different kinds of virology and all the different ways that disease is talked about. Um, And so it helps us to understand what's happening that causes the actual disease in the patient. Um, If we're going to think about the trauma that occurs from um, this type of violence and this kind of unjust behavior, then and and, and think about it as a racialized trauma or racialized distress or like a community trauma, community distress, any of those pieces we're talking about, the normalization piece that we're talking about, then you have to figure out kind of what is the cause and what's the agent, right? If we're talking about malaria, for instance, the cause of malaria is the malaria bug, whatever that is. It's uh, like the, the pathogen of malaria, right? It goes through its vector or its agent, which is the, um, the mosquito. And then it goes into the actual target, the patient, the person who, who contracts the disease. The police and policing organizations, they're not the cause. They're the agent or the vector, Right. They're just enacting policy and training and culture that they they that they received over time through a bunch of different means. That has roots in the legacy of white supremacy. Which is the cause. Yes. Right? So the cause is the white supremacy. The agent is the police and the other organizations and other institutions, right? And the disease is oppression. So I want to challenge a little bit and and come back around to, for me, I just want to hold that, that I do think that police violence is connected to public health and a public health concern. And I know that we, and this is someplace where we can just sit, you know, independently, because I'm going to own it, because I think that one of the pieces is around the impact of consciousness, right? And so if you look at perhaps some of the other public health concerns or crises, whether it's smoking and tobacco, diabetes and like sugar and and processed foods, et cetera, that that some of the foundations of those experiences were around consciousness, right? The overloading of fast food and processed food and the control of food by by government and the media, right, impacted the consciousness and decision-making process. And then it was up to individuals and it continues to be up to individuals to address their consciousness level. And then a whole bunch of other folks have rallied together to try to create change, whether it's from interventions, prevention, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think for me that the, the impact around bias and apathy impacts are the consciousness impacts the spirit. And that, is going to create a whole host of issues for me. That's that's how I see it. I think. I mean, I yeah. I don't. I don't see it exactly the same way, and we can we can definitely uh, disagree on that. Um, I think the way that the 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 disease model was a way to kind of maybe merge those ideas, mm-hmm. um, because for me, like in, in a real way, it's it's very much. I need these people to take responsibility, uh, both individual and, and group and institutional. Um, I guess I see public health, I see health issues as neutral in certain ways. I don't see, I see people as being able to cause them in certain ways, like, you know, neglect. Uh, but like the, the, the disease itself, cancer, something like that, it's not evil. It's just like a thing. It's just this messed up thing that we have to kind of deal with in the world and try to cope with. These murders are, are the personal, you know, they're, they're people making decisions to go out and snuff the life out of other people and it benefits them and it benefits a cause that they might not even like really subscribe to, but they still do it. Um, and to me, it's a failing of humanity. It's a it's an epidemic of inhumanity mm-hmm. that we should be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. 
and that the people who are who 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 enact should be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not every single person who's pulling triggers, but we're all involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we don't go and do what we need to do to stop it, whether that means running for office or pushing someone out of office or defunding something or getting in the way, mm-hmm. you know, just getting in the way and being civilly disobedient, like Dr. King said, right? Like, we're all involved. And the CDC isn't going to fix it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's going to be us. So I, I get what you're saying, and I, and I feel it. It's just maybe I'm too mad to see it that way. Well, nonetheless, I think we've had a great conversation and I think it's time for us to move into our self-care tip of the week. Yeah, I think I need some self-care. Yeah. So knowing that that the continued murders of of children, black children in the world, um, police violence has what we just described, you know, the impact on race based distress and trauma. Um, we really do want to encourage our listeners um, and those in the collective to engage in that self-care uh, so that you can continue on in the struggle. So we want to pull a little bit of a throwback and a shout out to our friend, Dr. Candace Nicole, and share her meditation on Black Lives Matter. Now, focus on your mind. Allow your thoughts to flow through your mind. Notice your thoughts as if they were clouds passing by. Rather than trying to focus on a thought, Let it come and go. Right now, you are love. Right now, you are safe. Right now, you can be yourself. Right now, black lives matter. So we hope you enjoyed that Black Lives Matter meditation produced, written, and recorded by Dr. Candace Nicole. And you can check that out on her website. Um, we'll list, list up that post as well um, if you want to find out some more about her work. And is that it for us? Uh, yeah. The website is uh, drcandicenicole.com. Uh, D-R-C-A-N-D-I-C-E-N-I-C-O-L-E.com. Um, you can find it there and it, it plays through SoundCloud. I think you can find it on SoundCloud too. Um, yeah, that's it for us today. That's, that's a lot. It Uh, is a lot. So if you have any questions, if you want to add your voice, you know, if you want to get in the conversation, is police violence a public health concern epidemic? Do you call it? What do you call it? What do you name it? Why do you why do you use the terminology that you use? Uh, Give us a call and leave us a message on 607. You name it. That's 607-862-6348. And share your name and your Twitter handle, whatever you feel comfortable with. And we'll share it on the show. 
All right. And for details about the topics mentioned in this episode, check out our website, namingitpodcast.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Naming It Podcast. And y'all can't see me right now, but I am rocking our Naming It gear right now. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, must yeah, say, yeah. it looks quite fly. You're looking good. Thank you. Looking you looking good. Thank you. Yeah, I like that. And it was just you... a like, little purple, kind of purple blue. I believe that is blue. It's a blue. It's I'm a not blue. good with colors. Little, little heathered blue. A little heather blue. It's mm-hmm. got, I see the little lines. A little, that little makes grayish heather, right? in the yeah, 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 yeah. You're rocking that. Can we take a picture so you can put on the Instagram? Yeah, we'll, we'll put up on Instagram yeah, and, and all that stuff. But y'all, we know that you're going to look good, equally as good in this naming it gear. So check out our store yeah, on our website. Mm-hmm. I need the V-neck. That, I think that's the it. That's your look? What I need. That's your look? I just think that that one, that one might work better for me. Okay. You know, I'm going to get, we got plenty of styles. We got plenty of styles. Absolutely. There are plenty of styles, plenty of colors. So go ahead and get the look that's best for you yes. on our website, namingitpodcast.com, and click on the tab for our Naming It store. There you go. Um, and, yeah, if, if you like to, if you like what you heard, go ahead and leave us a review. It's been a while. We won't, we haven't had a review in quite a while. And so it, we, we're at episode 30. It would be nice to get up to 30 reviews. So um, if you want to discuss specific topics, send us a message, tweet, and uh, we'll try to incorporate it. Absolutely. And where can I find you on social media? Um, at DRBF Palmer, Dr. BF Palmer on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all over the place. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Lamisha Hill. And we want to give a special shout out to Music on Naming It, provided by Lee England Jr., the soul violinist. Yeah, yeah. So just to close out, we want you to say it with us. Here we go. Every morning, evening, afternoon, Black Lives Matter. Peace. Keep naming it, y'all.